God has a plan ordained for each of us. He has ordered our steps one at a time. Coming up on Conversations That Matter, we'll be talking about how to know the will of God. Welcome to Conversations That Matter from Love Worth Finding Ministries. Join Carrie Vaughn, Global Church Planners Jeff and Rachel Bronner, Worship Pastor Blake Ramallis, and Mission Worker Rebecca Smith as we discuss Adrian Rogers' signature series for new believers, What Every Christian Ought to Know. Tonight's topic, How to Know the Will of God. Saul asked two great, great questions in this passage of Scripture. First of all, who are you, Lord? Number two, what would you have me to do? Can you think of two greater questions? Lord, who are you? And Lord, what would you have me to do? Paul spent the rest of his life learning the answer to those two great questions, just exactly who Jesus is and what Jesus would have him to do. And we need to ask the same questions. Principle number one, guidance is promised. Write it down. Guidance is promised. Look again in verse 6. The last part of verse 6, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And this is just one promise. You say, well, that was to Saul so long ago. That's not necessarily a promise to me. Well, let me give you a number of verses. Just jot them down. Don't turn to them. Jot them down. You can look them up later on. Write down Ephesians 2, verse 10. The Bible says, for we are his workmanship. That is, we've been saved by God's grace, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Now listen to this. Which he hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God has a plan ordained for us before it ever comes to pass. Before ordained. Or put this down. Psalm 37, verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. So God orders your steps one at a time. That's God's plan for you. Or put this one down. Psalm 32, verse 8. Here's a promise. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Have you ever seen anybody guided with somebody's eye? When I was, my little children were little, I'd be preaching. No one else would know it, but if they'd be misbehaving on the second or third pew, I could look at them and say, if you don't straighten up, you're going to get it when you get home. (laughs) And just, and and wives, have you ever been in a restaurant, uh, guys, and, uh, you start on a certain conversation, your wife will look at you and you know, you're not supposed to go there. Uh, Just, just a look, just a look, just guiding with your eye. We need to have that kind of an intimate relationship with the Lord or put this one down. Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 11. Verse 11, and the Lord shall guide thee continually. That's a great promise. Our Proverbs 3, verse 6, I think most all of us know this one by heart. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he what? Shall direct thy paths. What a wonderful promise. So, what God said to Saul was not just to this one individual. Thank God there is a promise. I have a father above me who is controlling all things. I have a Savior beside me directing my footsteps. I have the Holy Spirit within me energizing me and impressing my heart, my mind, and my will. How does God direct our steps or reveal what we should do next? When I've got a decision I've got to make and I need to know what to do next, the number one thing I need to do is just get alone with God and and to find 
a, a quiet place. Sometimes finding a quiet place is, is, is not the challenge. Find a quiet heart is the challenge sometimes for me. And, and I need to just get alone, uh, with God. I need to, uh, to seek His Word. Um, God is not always, uh, obligated to speak to us. But we are, it's our responsibility to put ourselves in a position uh, where we can hear from God. So for me, the, the first thing I need to do is just get alone, get alone with God and just listen to His, listen to Him speak to my heart. First of all, God also speaks to us through prayer and through other believers. Now, it might sound a little Sunday schoolish to say he speaks to us through his word. He speaks through us through prayer. But um, the word is active. It's living. And uh, when we seek him in his scripture, he reveals truth for our life specifically. But then with fellow believers, when you have friends, family, um who are also seeking God's will, and you give them specific things to pray for, whether it's a new job, um, an issue you're going with through your family. When they are also praying to God, going before the throne, he speaks through them, and they can come to you and say, um, you know, I've been praying about this new opportunity, and I just get so excited and so joyous when I pray for it. I really think this is the direction he's leading you. Or they come back and say, I've got such a check in my spirit when I pray towards these things. And so, um, you know, seek the counsel of others that are also praying and asking God. And um, I think he will reveal just like he did years ago um, through so many of the characters in the Bible who would have messengers from afar. He does that with our friends and family here. Can our mistakes be part of the plan? Does God ever have to come up with a new plan based on the consequences of our actions? Yeah, I think one of the most encouraging things to me about the Lord is that what we do doesn't surprise him and what we do doesn't, um, it doesn't rattle him or take him off guard. And so he know he is sovereign over all things. And before the beginning of time, he, he has a perfect plan for all of us. And so nothing we can do can can alter what he's going to do. And so I think we personally feel the consequences of our actions, of our mistakes. Um, but I don't think that necessarily um, maybe changes the whole course for that experience that he had. And so I don't think there's anything we can do that is going to to alter what the Lord wills to be done. Just a brief addition to that. So God's not the author of sin, and God's not honored by sin. And sometimes it can be sin, it can be mistakes, and we think, man, I've done something that's going to deviate the grand plan of God, but I couldn't have said it better than what she said. God has known what's going to happen in our lives a billion years ago. And sometimes it's even those mistakes within his plan that can lead to a, a beautiful outcome. Just real quick story. About three weeks ago, I'm speaking to a group of men. Um, they have been through terrible trials, some of them self-inflicted, drug and alcohol abuse. And a couple of them, after I got done speaking, looked at me and they said, look, I'm not proud of things I've done in the past. It wasn't God-honoring. But God did use this journey that I've taken to bring me to the point to where I, I now know Christ. And just listening to them come to the realization that God had a grand plan from the beginning. And that plan came to fruition uh, in not as fun a way as they'd hoped, but they now know Christ. It makes it worth it. 
Coming up, Adrian Rogers reveals why it is so important to have a quiet time if we want to know the true will of God. So, uh, willingness, meekness. Number three, openness. Look again in verse six. He says this, what will you have me to do? I'm open. He doesn't say, now, Lord, this is what I want to do. Uh, help me to do it. He's just, he's just open. You see, God will speak, but you must hear his voice. And, and as we've already given you that scripture, so many times he speaks with a, a still small voice. He doesn't shout. That's all the more reason we need to report for duty in the morning. Do you have a quiet time? Now, if God speaks with a quiet voice, you'd have to have a quiet time to hear it. Because if you're around a lot of fuel and hubbub and noise and somebody's whispering, you're not going to hear it. That's the reason if God speaks with a small, quiet, still small voice, a quiet voice, we need to have a quiet time and say, Lord, what is it that you really want me to do? And, and you know, our prayer needs to be listening prayer as well as talking prayer. Have you ever had a conversation with a person who does all the talking and you know, and they, and you don't get to, uh, to talk. They think they're having a conversation. They're just making a speech. I'm afraid our prayers like that sometime. We say, listen, Lord, your servant speak rather than speak, Lord. Your servant listens. And so there has to be openness. What are some practical ways we can maximize our quiet time with God? So Jeff and I have the privilege of training people around the world in evangelism and church planting and discipleship. And one of the things that we share with new believers um, about a quiet time is to ask three questions every time you have a quiet time. And it's something that even people that have been Christians for a long time um, can use, and it really helps the Word of God come alive again, especially with familiar passages. So whether you read one verse or an entire chapter, you ask yourself three questions. What did I learn about God in this passage? What did I learn about myself, and how can I apply it? And those might seem like simple questions, but when you read a passage you may have read a hundred times and you sometimes our quiet time can feel dry and we think I've read this before. But when you look at the things you learn about who God is in that verse, um, things about yourself, and then how can I apply this verse today? How can I apply this story today? Um, scripture comes alive and that, that time with God becomes so personable. Again, whether it's one verse or three chapters, ask those three questions and um, it will be on your mind the rest of the day, and it will be just, you will hear God speak to you throughout the day. Jeff, that's good. Man, uh, I mean, yeah. I think we're done. I think <laughs> <laughs> How does God really speak in quiet times? I think it's clearing yourself of, of distractions, and I know if I'm a college student, so there's, there's always something to do. There's always somewhere to be people to hang out with. And so um, things on my mind, social media on my phone, you know, and so it's just taking a, a certain amount of time and just truly asking the Lord to clear your mind of those distractions and just letting yourself listen to the Lord. Um, like you were saying, like scripture is key um, and scripture is for us to learn from. You know, we have an entire book that is living that we can learn from and the Lord speaks to us when we, when we ask him to, um, and just taking time to just be still, um, and just 
be quiet and, and be still before the Lord and just ask him to speak to us um, and show us in his word um, what it is that he has for us that day. Does the quiet time have to be early, early in the morning? I think uh, there, there's a psalm, and I, I don't know the exact psalm, but it says, In the morning will I see. I may be in the four, Psalm 40s, in the 40s. Uh, but it does it does speak about the morning time. And I think, uh, you know, his mercies are new every morning. I think that if you do just kind of a word search on the word morning, you will find that it's more. But it's like you said a while ago, we don't need to be under a sense of, guilt or condemnation regimen right yeah, yeah if we miss the morning maybe something happens you know and and i know like uh, i think about young moms who've got babies that are getting up at all hours and and it'd be real easy to get on get in a guilt trip you know about uh, well i didn't do it in the morning like i should have so you don't do it all day because you're guilty about it you know so i don't think that's the heart of god i think god is a father and God lives in eternity, and there is no morning and evening to Him. He He's He never sleeps or slumbers, you know. So, you know, we we can uh, rest assured that any time we want to approach Him, just like an earthly father, He He's ready to speak to us. I think the key to mornings is that we face God before we face the day. You know, if we can really just be alone with the Father, then I think we are fully prepared and equipped to tackle what this crazy world is, is throwing at us. It's hard to do that at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. We've, we've kind of lived half a day, right? And so it's really how to just start with God and then end with God. Any other thoughts? I mean, it's the ideal. Uh, and I, I can find that if I don't have it in the morning, it is pretty, it's, it's pretty easy to somehow let the day completely slip away. And then, oh, goodness, it's 1030 at night, and you've, you haven't had spent time with the Lord. Uh, but I also kind of like just to add what you just said. Um, there are certain days when I, it's been a very light night and I wake up at the crack of dawn that I can barely uh, stumble to brush my teeth, uh, much less have a profound moment with the Lord. So on those days, it might come a little later. It's just freeing to do it whenever you can. If we want to know the will of God, we must first get our hearts right. Listening closely as Adrian Rogers discuss the renewing of your mind. God gives wisdom. God gives wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is seeing life from God's point of view. And when you get saved, and when you surrender, walking in the Spirit and filled with the Spirit, you're going to find out you have the mind of Christ. Don't be afraid to use your mind. Why would God renew your mind if He didn't want you to use it? We have the mind of Christ. The will of God is not getting wet around the lashes and warm around the heart and getting goosebumps and liver shivers. and uh, No, 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 no. It is sanctified common sense. James said, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. You get your motive clear, get your heart right, and do what you think. I'm telling you. Don't be afraid to use your mind. Dr. J.I. Packer said that wisdom is the power to see and the inclination to choose the best and highest goal together with the surest means of attaining it. It's good. Let me give it to you again. Wisdom is the power to see and the inclination to choose the best and highest goal together with the surest means of attaining it. And so James says, James 1, verses 5 through 8, if you need wisdom, ask God. God won't scold you for asking. God will give you wisdom. 
Will God ask us to do things that don't make sense or seem dumb? Is it wise to do so anyway? God will never ask us to sin, ever. He will never command it. He will never ask us. And so, um, there, you know, I've had friends in the past that have said, well, I need to engage in these things because that's the way I'm going to reach lost people. God's never going to ask you to engage in sin. And there are ways to reach the lost people that doesn't cause that. However, um, God has asked people to do crazy things for all of history. He asked um, Gideon, who was hiding and afraid, to lead an army. Um, he asked people to do big things that don't make sense. And so um, when you oftentimes, uh, when we feel like this makes no sense, I don't know why I would do this. That's when we know it's God telling us to do it um, because it's a plan that only he can come up with. And he just wants to use us. He wants to use our mouth. He wants to use um, us to, to be his mouthpiece. And so, um, so yes, uh, when God asks us to do what we think are strange things, he has a plan, um, um, and we should do it. But again, it, um, that will never involve sinning on our part. Right. God will never call us to that. God gives wisdom to those who ask for it. Can this wisdom come through past mistakes? Oh, goodness, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I loved what Dr. Roger was talking about. The book of James, one of my favorite books in Scripture. So practical. Um, mercy. We learn you know, primarily through the Word of God, through our prayers, like Rachel was talking about earlier, but goodness, I, I know so much more at 48 than I did at uh, 16. Life experiences, because along the way you see how God taught you, trained you, maybe chastised you through that process. Not condemned, Romans 8.1, no condemnation, but you learn from past experience. Does wisdom just show up in our minds, or does it arrive through experiences or circumstances? Has there ever been a time God renewed your mind through a specific experience? That's a good question, yeah. I think definitely looking back through my life, um, He's continually renewing our minds and continually sanctifying us. And so, um, yeah, absolutely, I think. Throughout the years, throughout my college years, especially my first couple of years in college, I wasn't living for the Lord. Um, and so now looking back at those years, um, he's taught me so much from that time in my life. And like you were saying, I'm able to learn from those mistakes and, and help others that, you know, might be walking in those same storms, help them through those things. And so he definitely has renewed my mind through, through the years. And I think it's a process of sanctification through. We were um, training people in Brazil last year, and I all week had been teaching groups of women um, about uh, what to do when God asks you to do hard things, whether you're in ministry or not in ministry. When God asks you to walk through something hard, when God asks you to to do something hard or or change, um, how do we handle that as Christians? And I said, you have to ask yourself three questions. Um, is God all-powerful? Is God all-loving? Is God all-knowing? And are those things enough? Well, of course, the answer is yes to every question, but do you really believe that, and is that enough? Well, in my own life, um, we had had 
uh, a situation at home that was just heartbreaking and I was just determined I knew the outcome was going to be good and it was going to happen the way I wanted it to happen. So my prayer for weeks had been, God, make this happen that way, make this happen that way. And I was on the plane going home after sharing with these women for a week. And I said, God, I know you're all powerful and you can make this happen. I know you're all loving and you can make this happen. And I paused and I heard God say, but am I all knowing And if it doesn't happen the way you want it to happen, I finally had this moment of surrender where I had to practice what I was teaching. And I said, um, you are all knowing. And I had to completely give it to him and trust that uh, whatever the outcome was, that that was part of his grand plan and that it would turn out for good. Um, And so, uh, so, yeah, that's how. When he renewed my mind, um, something that I had been saying and saying and saying, but deep down inside, um, I had uh, not been practicing that. Why is it important to keep our motives in check before asking for wisdom? It's pretty rare I've done anything without some degree of ulterior motive because I know my heart. Now, like everybody in this room, I, I try to quench that. But even with unfortunately, those ulterior motives that might slip in because we're still sinners. I still ask for wisdom, even in the midst of knowing how there might be some ulterior motive in this. And hopefully God will help quench what's going on. And obviously his will is going to be done in the end anyway. So even with those ulterior motives, I still ask. I have to, being in ministry, that's all I've ever done. I've I've been a worship pastor my whole life. I'm 58 years old now. And I constantly have to, when I'm having quiet times, I have to ask myself, am I just doing this just to get a Bible study together or devotion together? And I'm sure pastors who have to preach every Sunday, you know, multiply that times a hundred, you know. And, uh, and I constantly have to keep my motives in check. You know, am I just doing this to prepare for this next thing? Even, even a, a, a conversations talk show like this, you know, are, are we spending time with God to really hear from God or, like you had said, to maybe impress others? Um, and that's a real temptation, you know, to, to impress others. But I found even, even in the times that I have prepared just, just because it was my job to do, God has still used things that I've studied, things that I've prepared uh, to bring back to my mind because God blesses his word, you know, and to bring back to my mind uh, things that make, could maybe help somebody else, you know, along the way. Yeah, I, I'm also reminded that God says, hey, let me light the fire, right? I, I'm good at lighting the fire, right? I'm, I'm good at really igniting the fire. And God's saying, hey, that, that's not my will. Let me light the fire. Right, and then it'll be perfect and good and acceptable, and you just follow. That's right. That's right. And that's that's hard. I, you know, when you're when you're taught to be assertive and aggressive and tenacious, and you want to be successful in life and the job, the ministry, the marriage, whatever, uh, it's easy to light your own fire, but to pull back and say, God, you light it. So, well, we want to thank our friends Jeff and Rachel Brauner, also Blake Cromalis and Rebecca Smith. And we want to thank you for being part of this season of Conversations That Matter. As we close out this season, we want to remind you that you can check out Adrian Rogers' full series of What Every Christian Ought to Know, as well as the companion episodes of Conversations That Matter, all at lwf.org. 
Let's leave you with this last clip from Adrian Rogers. You are free to choose. God will not force his will upon you. You're free to choose. You're not free not to choose. You say, well, I won't choose. You just made a choice. You chose not to choose. (laughs) You're free to choose. You're not free not to choose. And listen carefully. You're not free to choose the consequences of your choice. You make a choice, then your choice chooses for you. You're free to jump out of a 10-story building. Uh, That's your choice. But then the choice chooses for you when you hit the ground. You understand what I'm saying? You're free to choose. You're not free not to choose. You're not free to choose the consequences of your choice. And so what you really are is the sum total of your choices. So the wisest thing you could do and I could do would be to do what old Saul did. Ask the first question, Lord, who are you? And secondly, Lord, what would you have me to do? May God find you walking in his will. 